Greetings and welcome to Fresh Text. Fresh Text is a weekly podcast when a couple pastor scholars dig into a lectionary text for the upcoming Sunday and share uh, insights and thoughts and offer some sermon starters as might be helpful to our listeners. We appreciate you listening and all those who listen in, uh, everyone from uh, pastors preparing sermons to lay folk who just want to dig into the text a little bit more deeply. Uh, we appreciate you all uh, tuning in. I'm your host, John Drury. I teach systematic theology and spiritual formation for Wesley Seminary at Indiana Wesleyan University. And my guest this week is Amanda Drury. She's been with us before, uh, one of our uh, most regular guests, uh, also my wife and one of my all-time favorite preachers. And I love interpreting scripture with her, and I hope that you'll enjoy it as well. Our text this week is Luke uh, chapter 17, verses 11 through 19. Luke chapter 17, 11 through 19. Thank you so much and enjoy the show. looking at Luke chapter 17, verses 11 through 19. Luke chapter 17, verses 11 through 19. Mandy, would you like to read or would you like to pray? Which one do you want to do? I will read. Okay, you read, I'll pray. Sound good? Sounds good. On the way to Jerusalem, Jesus was going through the region between Samaria and Galilee. As he entered a village, ten lepers approached him. Keeping their distance, they called out, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were made clean. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. He prostrated himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus asked, Were not ten made clean? But the other nine, where are they? Was none of them found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, Get up and go on your way. Your faith has made you well. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Father in heaven, we ask that you would shed abroad in our hearts a love for you, for your Son, and for all your creatures. We ask also that the eyes of our heart would be illumined by the very wisdom of God. May we see what you wish for us to see. May we hear what you wish for us to hear. May your word made flesh in Jesus Christ, be seen and heard afresh by uh, Mandy and I, even this very hour as we converse around this text, and even more so among those who are listening separated by time and space. May we all be gathered around your word and be empowered by your spirit to see and to hear to taste and see that the Lord is good. Lead us, O God, lead us. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Amen. All right. 
So yeah, anything uh, jump out at you right away as you read this passage again, afresh? <laughs> afresh. I'm always uh, struck by the places in scripture where it says Jesus saw them. So verse 14, when he hmm. saw them. Is that a is that a noticing saw? Is that a seeing something deeper? Yeah, it's a recurring motif in these in these healing stories, right? Is there someone in need? Jesus comes to town, some people in need or asking or what have you, and and then it says Jesus saw them. That's like a, always a turning point. Right. right. I think you're right. And surely he saw other people. But is huh. this, is this a different kind of scene? Is it? Well, energy follows attention, right? So this is where he directs his attention. And so that's where the the power then flows out. Wow, that, that is cool. It, it's, yeah, it's almost always noted. Now, it may just be a, a simple literary convention, right? Sure. Just to kind of uh, make the transition. But I, th- I think it's significant, the, the seeing, the looking. And we see here, too, keeping their distance. So he's he's seeing them. They're not they're not right up there in his face. They're not trying to touch his garment or anything. Maybe that's just because they know, hey, we're lepers. There's these laws. Mm-hmm. We're gonna try to get his attention from from way over here. Yeah, but that does add a, a layer to then verse thirteen when it says they lifted up their voices. Right, uh, verse uh, for, what did I say? Verse thirteen. I meant to say, right, and they, you know, mm-hmm. they, what did you have? They called out. Yeah. So that uh. Their own sense of distance then just makes them cry out all the louder. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder at what point they saw Jesus too, because it's, this is as he's entering a village. They probably were not in hmm. the village. They're probably outside the oh, village. Yeah. Had they been following him for a while and it was a, Hey, let's get his attention before he disappears into this village because we can't follow him in there. Yeah. I was looking at it to see just translation wise, verse 12. Um, it's just, you know, and coming into a village. So it could be after, it could be while, it could be at the same time. Yeah, yeah, interesting. Yeah, so he could be just coming upon it. He mm-hmm. could be still outside of it. He could be just have entered right into it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, man, that is that is fascinating. Yeah, odds are they're not, you know, in the midst of the crowds in the village, right? Right. Oh, man. Unless this is a, you know, leper colony. <laughs> A village true. full of lepers, but I mean, that's the vibe is that where he's getting encountered at the road yeah. as he's going into the village. Through through the region between Samaria and Galilee. Yeah, I think that's important. Verse 11, sort of setting the, the context, mm-hmm. right? So he's on the way as he was proceeding toward Jerusalem. So we're in the, we've been now in the second half of Luke for quite a while now this summer. But, you know, late in chapter nine, it says he sets his face on Jerusalem, was proceeding toward Jerusalem. And there's a number of references to this. And Luke puts a lot of kind of seemingly miscellaneous little stories and teachings in this section that runs from basically chapter 10 through 19. It's the whole middle third or more of Luke. Um, and now we're getting towards the end, but we've still got him in this kind of marginal space between Samaria and Galilee. Yeah, I haven't noticed this before. So Luke is making it clear he's in this marginal space. There's Samaria here, there's Galilee there. The lepers that are coming to him both, though, are Samaritans and I assume non-Samaritans then. But um, I wonder if there's something there in terms of 
hey, these people are separate, but but when you're in this crisis, when you're in this 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 illness, this pain, when you're you're outcast together, <laughs> in a sense. Oh, and it just would make immediate perfect sense, right? That you'd have because, um, of course, borders in the ancient world weren't as defined in the modern cartographical sense, right? Of sure. like this exact line is when you know, like when you're driving along, it says you're now entering. We're in two states. Of right. <laughs> That's what you always yell, and Tim Horseman would always stick his hand out and say, I win! <laughs> I got to the state first. Um, but yeah, but of course, even now, when you see those little signs, they're often not that significant of a space. It's There's maybe a city on both sides of a border, and then this just kind of vague area between. Right. So you could see, in a more ancient world, if you had a Samaritan town just south of the region, the border region, and if you had a Galilean town just north of the region... The, the border region, it would be actually very fitting that the that the lepers um, in going out into the, the open between the two towns might bump into each other. And there could be a little leper colony yeah. right on the border. Right. Man, I never thought of it. I never not, pictured it that way before. Not a big difference between Samaritans and Jews when you're a leper. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't say straight out, but the, the highlighting that the one who chose to give mm-hmm. thanks is a Samaritan implies that they not all of them probably were, right? I do find it interesting. I've I've never quite understood in verse 18 when when Jesus says, you know, none of them return to give praise to God except this foreigner. Mm-hmm. So, but they're in the region between Samaria and Galilee. So is is he really a foreigner in that land or just a foreigner to Jesus? <laughs> well, yeah, I guess that says a little something about what the word foreigner means, huh? Um yeah, 18, no one came back to give Glory to God, except this, yeah, yeah, one who, you know, this one who is born from another place, foreigner, right? Yeah. This actually raises a little question, right? Who is 17 through 18 addressed to? I think 19 seems to be clear, right? That that 19 is addressed, and he said to him, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Implying that he's addressing 17 and 18 are addressed to the disciples who are all Galileans. Right. Okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, you say, okay, like, does that make it kind of go away, or is it still kind of strange, strange language to you? Well, it's still strange language, because it's, it's a foreigner to them, but not necessarily to the proximate location where they're at. Yeah. You know, if, if, I'm, if I'm between the border of the United States and Canada, and I'm speaking with a Canadian and I'm referring to someone as a foreigner. That just, that seems kind of strange. Yeah. I see, I see what you mean. Like someone who's coming from somewhere else. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it. I guess this go, goes back to the notion of this strange kind of, I think this is very foreign to us. Foreign. I'm using that in a different sense, but maybe not. In verse 11, right? The notion that he's kind of passing along in this border region between Samaria and Galilee. I think that's hard for us to kind of grasp in that. And then, because we tend to think like, well, strictly speaking, which side were you on? Right. Isn't <laughs> right, that what I'm right. on? I'm going to ask, I'm, you know, it's a map. I want to get out a map and like, you know, figure out exactly where he was. Yeah. Um, but that question wouldn't even register for them because it, it would be clear that next town over there is Samaritan. And this town back that way was Galilean. But where, like, Galilee ends and Samaria starts between those two towns, well, that's Eremos. That's desert. That doesn't belong to anybody. That's not how it works, you know? Mm-hmm. Maybe. I- I'm guessing here. I mean, I'm not just guessing blindly, but my, my, at least my sense and understanding of how borders operated in an ancient world was a lot more 
centered rather than bounded. It was more this notion of, well, clearly this city over here is a Galilean city and this one's Samaritan. But then that does sort of raise the question of, I mean, we see this happening with Jesus a lot where he will, he, he pushes back on the xenophobia of his culture, the mm-hmm. fear of others, foreigners, immigrants, but, but he's always doing it within the framework and the familiarity of that culture. Do you sure. know what I mean? Yeah. So he will, yeah. he'll sometimes use language that's like, you know, I, I can't help but think of this. Uh, there's a Monty Python. Actually, what? Maybe it wasn't Monty Python. I can't remember, but I saw a skit one time, like that was a, a sketch that was doing where Jesus was, I had Jesus like telling a story, like, so there's a Samaritan that comes along and the disciples are like, isn't it a little like, are you kind of assuming a lot to think that, you know, that we would assume that he would be bad just because he's a Samaritan? You know, like, like, <laughs> you know, he's pushing these, the boundaries of their exclusionary tactics. And yet the language he uses is the language of that exclusion. Sure. This is a foreigner, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, he is born from another. He comes from another community, mm-hmm. which goes to show that for Jesus, like, the defining community for him is the community of him and his disciples. Do you know what I mean? Who are Galileans. And so for him, the language of foreigner makes perfect sense in that language, even though he's, he's also disrupting that. You were grinning earlier when I was. <laughs> something <laughs> it has nothing up. to do with the passage. It's because you said Eremos. <laughs> so my, I should have uh, known. <laughs> my, my homiletics professor in, in seminary learned uh, learned Greek from a man in Texas who had a thick um, Spanish accent. And so the word Eremos was Eremos. Eremos. And so every time I hear that word now, I think, yeah. <laughs> you always roll your R on well, your Well, I, I, I do. And this professor is funny. He, he, I mean, he wasn't Hispanic himself, but he had this accent with certain Greek words. And that was one of them. So every time I hear the word Eremos, that's where my mind goes. Well, that was a that was a delightful little help. Yeah, wasn't it? Well, though? Let's take a quick break and come back and start doing some interpreting about how we might make sense of this passage, both then and now. And we're back. Welcome back to Fresh Text. I'm here with Amanda Drury, and we are discussing Luke chapter 17, verses 11 through 19. And so we're moving into our second phase, which is the more interpretive phase. Again, we kind of start with observing, maybe doing some exegetical uh, commentary there. And, and now we're moving into interpreting. Interpreting is this kind of transitional period. What do you want to interpret? What's weird here? What do you want, what do you want to play with? What, uh, what insights are kind of emerging beyond just the surface observations? So two things. One is the, I guess this is more, more observation here. So verse 14 and 15, they're, they're on their way. As they went, they were made clean. So, so they're, they're being healed as they are going, which makes me wonder, would they have been healed if they hadn't gone? Like if they would have just stayed there with Jesus huh. or if they wouldn't have gone on their way. Uh, and then, and then it, it really does just bother me that only one person comes back to say thank you. And yet the other ones are just doing what Jesus told them to do. He told them to go present themselves. And so they do. And the one guy who doesn't do what he says, who comes back to thank Jesus, he's the one that seems to get the the big thumbs up from Jesus. Oh, yeah, there is kind of a a little bit of an irony there, right? That he's almost kind of doing something different than... Yeah, we're not ten made clean, but the other nine, where are they? Uh, they're doing exactly what you told them to do, Jesus. Yeah, you're so right. You're so right. 
and even verse nine, like rise and go away, go your way. Your faith has made you well. I mean, is he almost exempting him? Hey, yeah, you don't have to bother to visit the priest now. Um, oh, maybe. Yeah. I don't know if he, I, I, I don't know about that because I mean, so, so here's some thoughts to play with that. So the priests would have to inspect anyone, even if it was, wasn't, even if someone just got better, just got over something, you would go to the priests for inspection that you're now ceremonially, ceremonially clean. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, these instructions are in passages in Leviticus and elsewhere. Right. So that, so that you, if you were to be healed, even by a, a traveling healer and the whole town could see that you don't have leprosy anymore. The sense that you still would make the community unclean by your presence would remain until there was an official declaration sure. by a member of the Levitical priesthood saying, I declare you now clean. I've inspe-. And it's literally like inspection, yeah, yeah. but it's also, you know, now if you move back home, you're not bringing, um, and as, again, some of that is just the, 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 the line between priestcraft and, uh, the medical profession, which is so bright, such a bright line in the modern world was not at all a bright line in their time, right? Yeah. Such that, that, I mean, this is just the, the logic of quarantine, right? It, right. You're actually, one of the worst yeah. things to do is to bring someone who's been in co- close contact with a leper into a crowded temple. That would be a bad idea, right? Yeah. So this isn't yeah. just, this isn't just cruel exclusion. This is, this is about the community and its wholeness. And so Jesus is, no, I mean, and it's a recurring theme in Luke that restoration of the community is the end point of all these healing <laughs> narratives, right? It's now they can be a part of the community again. Although, as you've pointed out, that creates a little interesting question is, are five of them going to go to their Galilean town and five to their <laughs> Samaritan town now? Right. But of course, now they have a friend across the border. So yeah, that's yeah. a, we might want to play with that. So that this going to the priest thing is very interesting. And on top of that, connected to your bit, though, is is it a given that he has – I'm trying to figure out how much time passes in these middle verses. It's very like – it says, when he said to them uh, – when he saw them, he said to them, go and show yourselves to the priests. And they went and, or, and, and, and it came to pass – actually is how it is in the original, which is interesting. So it kind of highlights it. And it came to pass that as they were going, they were cleansed. Mm-hmm. So – is this like immediate? I mean, again, if we read it like if we pretend it's Mark, it would be like right away, right? Yeah. Like, and but it's it's not impossible to say that this is later that day, the next day. I mean, the healing clearly it says when he saw that he was healed, he turned back. That implies a more immediacy, right, right? But the immediacy between fourteen and fifteen is not as obvious to me as it always has been. Whenever I've seen this picture, it's like they're like literally right there, and the other nine are like in eye shot. Like, mm-hmm. hey, dudes, why aren't they? You know, but this could be a whole day later because he would come to town and and he would settle into a town and preach for a week. That's the impression you get in these journey stories of Jesus. Yeah. So it's possible that that this guy came back. It wasn't right away. It was the next day or something like that. I don't know if you resonate with that or not, but. I haven't thought of it that way. I'm, I'm, I'm going back to read this to see. Yeah, I never have either. <laughs> this is the first time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, thought. The language doesn't require immediacy. Right, right. That's a good point. I think it's so important to note how much how much these men were getting their lives back. You know, this isn't oh just my, a matter yeah. of being healed of a disease. It's I had the flu, now I don't have the flu. Or or even 
um, a more serious ailment. It's, 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 they have their, their life back. If I, if I recall correctly, uh, thinking back to commentaries. So if you're, if, if you're a leper, you know, you're having to call out unclean, this and that, but it's not just that you are, you're supposed to be messing up your hair and hmm. tearing your clothes so that people can see from a distance that you have an ailment. Uh, and for whatever reason, it was just that image of, of having to mess up your hair that always stuck with me. Huh. That, uh, you know, so often we're fixing our hair or doing this or that, but to think that you'd be going out of your way to add extra problems to yourself. You know, it's, it's can I at least have a good hair day if I've got leprosy? Um, so I know it sounds silly, but just the thought of these, these men, they're healed of leprosy and now they can brush their hair and yeah. they can, they can wear look their normal, presentable. they can look presentable. I think the hair is relevant because you say like, but when do you glance at your hair? It's when you're like going to go be with people, yeah. right? It's like, you yeah. don't care if your hair is all, you know, messed up when you're isolated, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's, oh, I'm going over to the office. I want to, you know. Whereas for them, the it's mirror. the opposite. Oh, people are coming. I'm going to mess up my hair. Exactly. <laughs> right. So then, then the point com- it comes back to this point, which is confirmed by the Christ sending them to the priests that this is, a, this is just a, this is as much about getting their life back yeah. as it is relieving them of pain. Right. Right. It's right. not just you're in pain. Now you're not in pain. Yeah. It's your pain and the, the, your suffering is compounded by your exclusion. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to. I'm not only making possible, but in fact, highlighting through my command, right? Go and show yourself to the priest. I'm saying, yes, be restored to your community. Yeah. Um, although then that's, that's troubling me though, because of this deep insight of yours, that there is a kind of anticipation of the gospel kingdom hidden within their life as lepers together. Huh. You know? Uh-huh. And then there's a kind of strange reversion to the yeah, mean yeah. that comes through healing, yeah. which then raises some interpretive and and preaching questions like, what does it mean to, quote, get your life back? Hmm. Uh, because, of course, I mean, most people when I talk to them, you know, who've gone through an intense season of suffering in their life, and there's so much joy and relief when it's removed, uh, but it's changed them. Right. It's changed their character, their outlook on life, and they would never wish it upon anyone else. They wish that it hadn't happened, and yet it's now part of who you are, and new communities, new connections are established through your Mm co-sufferers. You know, you feel Mm -hmm. a certain connection with others, you know, who have had the same kind of cancer you had, for instance, or something, right? Uh, Or, you know, know, men who've had a... uh, bypass surgery they're they're like a little community they all can talk and they kind of get it you know that's like a thing that happens you know yeah um i don't know so now i'm starting to dream and this is this is playing way beyond the text but starting to dream of a story of you know two towns a galilean and samaritan town that don't like each other Hmm. um that aren't welcome in each other's towns and to have jesus bring healing to these lepers, them returning to their towns, right? but perhaps visiting each other now yeah. and now entertaining Samaritans, entertaining Galileans, Galileans, entertaining Samaritans because they suffered together. I mean, this is way beyond the bounds of the text standing right sure. in front of us, but there's, th- there are at least things worth asking about what, what does full healing 
mean? Yeah. How is healing not just a return to what was before, mm -hmm. but a transformation? I don't know. Yeah. Although maybe the other nine that didn't thank Jesus, maybe uh, they weren't good playmates anyway. <laughs> well, then that, well, that brings us back. That brings it back then to the text that's right in front of us mm -hmm. is, do we see, oh boy. Yeah. This will bring that whole, that whole speculation may or may not find its way into, you know, a sermon, but here's a question. Could it be that some of us seek healing as an entitlement rather than as a gift? Uh, and I wonder if that's part of us as modern huh. readers even to see mm. that the notion that I am owed a life of ease without suffering. Right. How did you put that? You said healing as entitlement or as gift versus gift. Yeah. Cause if it says he's, he's thanking him, right. He's giving glory. And thanking Eucharistone, good he has the good graces, Eucharisto, same root word for charis, grace, mm -hmm. right? So it's the word for the grace that you have when you return grace for the grace you've been given, right? So that's why I think of grace here and gift. And and boy, I, I mean there's a lot of a lot of people have lost or at least had their faith shaken by praying for healing not receiving it. Right. And, and I, I don't want to question the, the sincerity and the experience of the individuals, but I do want to ask about our communities and our culture, whether we are praying with a sense of entitlement, like, mm. and it's part, I mean, it's so much a part of modern life that, that health is taken as the norm. Right. And that anything less than that is like an utter injustice. And, on the one hand, the story, these healing stories sort of confirm, yeah, it's an injustice that Jesus wants to overcome. But clearly his focus is not just on the alleviation of suffering, but on the restoration of the community. And perhaps that second half won't happen if you think of, hey, yeah, I'm healed. Finally, good. As I should be. Right. That's the way, it should, that's the way things should back, have been. Back to life now. This is the way it was supposed to be. Back to usual. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I have wondered before, too, if, if uh, it doesn't seem fair that they all get the same thing. Like, it seems like the guy who comes back to thank Jesus should get some bonus prize. <laughs> of course you'd think that. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe that's some of the entitlement gift stuff. But uh, Correct. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking of, of my grandmother, who is now deceased. And so I can tell this story. But how one year, I've, I've got, there's five kids in my family, and... Four out of the five open up a package of steak knives from my grandma. And it's very clear that one of us did not get the steak knife. <laughs> and I remember thinking, oh, yeah, this this one did not write the thank you note last year. Um, I did write a thank you note yeah, and I sent it. I'm really good at writing thank you notes, bad at sending them. But but <laughs> that, was, that was just kind of my grandma's thing. Like you get a gift, you write a thank you note. If you don't write a thank you note, it shows that you're not grateful for a gift. So maybe you don't really want one. So... I mean, we do this with our kids too, right? Like we hand out the cookie, like here's your cookie. And then if they don't say thank you, we pull it back away. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. Well, you hold it and say, yeah, say, yeah. say, say thank, thank you. you. Right, say right, thank right. you. But, but Jesus is just giving these gifts with no sense of, I mean, he doesn't take it away. Oh, you didn't say thank you. I'm going to take it back. Well, let's play with it though. Cause even Dee Dee didn't. Dee Dee's my grandma. She didn't take it away. Yeah. She just never gave it. Yeah. No, the next one. No, the lack of the thank you didn't lose the gift. Oh, that's true. That's but affected true. future sure. 
future generosity, mm. right? Now there, there can be a resentment in that, not to criticize your grandmother, but I mean, like there was maybe a little entitlement on her side of the equation. Sure. Right. Yeah. yeah. I'm owed a, I'm owed a thing. right, right, right. Mm-hmm. But the, the, even though that's like maybe a slightly more blatant extreme form, there's nevertheless, I mean, you know, God loves a cheerful giver, right? It's yeah. kind of like there is something about the way, I mean, it goes back to this question about were they good playmates or not? I wouldn't put it beyond the realm of the possible that these larger gifts of what it means to live a restored life are implied by this text to be coming uh, to this man's life in a way that's not to the other nine. Uh, so I, I mean, okay, okay. I, I hear what you're saying. You want to put a contrast between uh, Christ's grace and our human grace. And we should, mm-hmm. but, but even the contrast, there may be some elements of continuity that, I mean, clearly this man's gratitude, you know, the last line, right? He said to him, rise and go your way. That's the same, right? Your faith has made you well. This famous line that Jesus uses occasionally to these individuals. And it seems to me to imply there's something deeper here. This, this guy is now a member of the faith community in a way that might not be as true for the other nine who yeah, just were kind yeah. of getting the, getting the, the benefits of being around Jesus just yeah. happened to be alive at the time of Jesus. Whereas this guy is Friends now, benefits. gosh, <laughs> right. But they're not collateral damage. The opposite of collateral damage, collateral, yes, yeah. collateral beneficiaries of yeah, the presence yeah. of Jesus in their century. Yes. Yes. And, you know, whereas this guy is receiving this with this great gratitude and is kind of, you know, he doesn't have a name, but here he is. I mean, in a weird way, the scriptures are themselves honoring him. He's right. he's a character in the gospel story. Right. You know, yeah. he's now allowing him, himself to be a part of the story of Jesus in a deeper way and be a part of the formation of the disciples because Jesus uses him as an example yeah. of the disciples. See, gratitude can show up anywhere, not just among the Galilean Jews, but the Samaritans as well. Yeah. You know? And well, and to take it a step further too, this, this man does get something in that. Uh, where is that? Verse 16, he prostrated himself at Jesus' feet. So he's at Jesus' feet. Hmm. This man gets closer to Jesus than the other nine. That's right. Because they're calling from a distance. That's Master, good. Have, yes. have, have mercy on us. Uh, so, so even though everybody experiences the healing, only this one man experiences the, the close proximity to Jesus. Oh, yeah. And that really... That reinforces the the restoration point, the mm-hmm, relationship mm-hmm. with Jesus, and that also reinforces, and this might be a good good segue, reinforces the importance of paying attention to the blocking for this story yes. to really make oh, sense. Oh, yes, yes, yeah. yes. Well, let's take a quick break and then come back and explore some sermon starters. Okay. And we're back. Welcome back to Fresh Text. I'm here with Amanda Drury, one of my regular guests here that I appreciate so much her being here. And we're looking at Luke chapter 17, verses 11 through 19, the cleansing of the 10 lepers near the border of Samaria and Galilee and the one that came back to give thanks and Jesus' response uh, there too. So let's explore some sermon starters. Let's, let's get some, uh, start doing some sermon cooking. Where might you uh, want to run run with this, or what recommendations would you want to make to our listeners about 
their approach? Well, I think, I think just from fun sermon starter story ideas, I think, I think a lot of people have stories about gratitude, a story where someone did say thank you or didn't say thank you. I'm, I'm thinking of even just last week when our son Paul turned five and he opens up one present and the first thing out of his mouth is, I didn't ask for this. <laughs> right. And, and we had forgotten to have like the coaching conversation with him. You know, when you open a present, you do this or that. So we, we pull him aside, tell him how to, how to open up gifts. And then he opens up his, his older sister's gift who had just grabbed something from her room. And he opens it up and he goes, I like this a little bit. Oh, mm. no, I like it a medium bit. <laughs> uh, so I think, it's, I, I think there's, there can be a soft opening in there. Right. Uh, obviously not a lot to do with scripture there, but that, that's where my mind immediately goes though, is, is personal instances of, of gratitude, um, almost as an icebreaker type thing. Um, and, and I, I do get stuck on the, you're, you're supposed to say thank you when you get a good gift. Um, maybe that's just too much of my grandma and me. So there's something about those guys that seem rude and yet they're doing exactly what Jesus told them to. That's yeah, where, that's, that's, where that's I get a stuck. deep insight, which goes to show why, no, I, I think the formation question's relevant that you're asking about how you get stuck on, on. For you, writing the thank you note might itself be an act of uh, requirement. It's it's the ne- it's the next step. It's it's the equivalent of go go show yourself to priest because what he told <laughs> us to do, right? Yeah, yeah. Whereas. This is this is it's like when you have a, a party of uh, you know eight or more at Applebee's. They have the the gratuity is built in, <laughs> right? But I mean, yeah. gratuity comes yeah. from the language of grace. It's a gift above and beyond. Maybe What's these expected? Guys are like, there's nine of us. Gratuity was included. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I could, I could. Uh, that that would be a more rant style introduction right, to a sermon right. is to kind of you know like complain about the the automatic gratuity and like the I like that. the struggle around kind of well if it's if it's required then it isn't gratuity it's not extra right right and this is one of these i mean this is one of these deep paradoxes in the theology of grace in general right is how how reciprocating responding to God's grace is absolutely necessary. And yet its necessity has to be articulated in such a way that it's superfluous, right? (laughs) Right. So it's this superfluous necessity. And it's like, that's actually really hard to capture conceptually. And I think probably impossible to capture in the form of a rule. Like you always have to say thank you after thing. Well, and yet it's very clear to narrate. There are times in life, you know what I mean? And this is when you're talking about searching our own, rummaging in our own lives for illustrative stories, is what are moments of when someone did something as just a spontaneous response of gratitude, Yeah. right? You mentioned that Jesus saw them, right? But with him, it's one of them when he saw that he was healed, mm. right? Mm-hmm. So, in fact, the others may be so bent on getting to the priest that they're not immediately noticing their their own being healed, right? Sure, he's sure. he's noticing it. Um or maybe they think they need to be uh healed by the priest before they can get close to Jesus. Well, and that would be legally correct. Yeah, yeah. Right? Um that 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 they wouldn't want to make this famous 
preacher and healer uh, unclean, unclean by their presence. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's a good insight. Yeah, I hadn't even thought of that. So how about this? Uh, sometimes gratitude breaks the rules. Right? Yeah. We talk a lot about yeah. about how grace transcends the rules. Uh-huh. But maybe this would be a sermon that could talk about how how even gratitude transcends the normal expectations and rules and boundaries, right? Right, right. And then that could be like, I mean, here's a, here's a sermon. Oh, go ahead, go ahead. No, You're about no, to say, no, you go. Well, it's just a quick sermon idea is to kind of, uh, you know, think of all the boundaries being crossed in this story. Mm-hmm. And those could be your points. So, um, yeah, so there, there's maybe the, the motif. Uh, grace crosses boundaries or transgresses boundaries. I don't know what verb I want to use. Crosses? I don't know. That works. All right, we'll just use that for now. So grace, no, no, gratitude. I'll say grace, and then because you can play with both sides of grace, right, right? right? Grace crosses boundaries, right? And so the first boundary is the Samaria, Samaria Galilee boundary, verse eleven. Yeah, right. Yeah. And then maybe there's a little bit of boundary breaking happening in this community that you were identifying. Maybe there's already a little bit of grace just being in this in this leper colony, verse twelve, thirteen. And then, you know, Jesus pressing them, because notice he doesn't heal them and say, now go to the priest for inspection. He says, go and show yourselves to the priests, right? Kind of like, basically, I want you to just trust that you're allowed to go see the priest, even though yeah. you're worried, right? Yeah. So there's there's a little boundary crossing happening there. Hmm. And then the big one that you're pointing out is that when he receives grace, the gracious return to Jesus right. is now, you know, I don't, I'm not even going to wait till someone gives me instruction or approval. I'm just right. going to spontaneously respond with great gratitude. Yeah. And then Jesus turns to his disciples and like, you know, see, see what happens when grace gets a hold of your life. See what happens when you're filled with gratitude. Um, you know? Yeah. You know, as you're talking, I, I, I'm realizing that maybe this has less to do with grace and gratitude as it does with faith. Okay, say more. So all 10 of those men needed a certain amount of faith yeah. to walk away from Jesus and walk towards the priest. To not wait until they were healed. I mean, that's an act of faith to move away from this person that's promising healing. But but yeah, okay, go, go, go. You know, go that way. Uh, and then the even greater act of faith for when they realize that they're healed for this one man to turn around before he's even been seen yeah. by the priest and, and, and thank Jesus at his feet. And then that, let, that lets Jesus' last word be the main message of the story, which is a good rule of thumb. Your faith has made you well. Right. Yes. Right. Yeah. So, but I could say three layers of faith here. Now this might be getting too metaphorical, but I mean, and maybe, maybe just all my sermons have to have three points for some silly reason, but whatever. Um, The initial faith of verse 13, just calling out for help. Right. Right. Yeah. So that's the, that's the, the, the first Hmm. kernel of faith, right? That first uh, flicker of faith is to just have enough trust to pray, to ask for help, to call Jesus master, to ask for him to have mercy. And and here's where I was talking earlier about entitlement, f- contrasting the one from the ten, the nine. But it'd actually be really fun to spend a lot of the energy of the sermon the first little bit, not really highlighting that contrast up first and seeing the faith of all of them for the first two out of three points, right? Yeah. So master, and then that addresses the entitlement issue that I said earlier. Yes. So bring yes. that in to kind of say, when we pray, are we, are we praying entitled? Do we think 
God has to give us exactly what we want in the way that we want, well, then we'll, we probably won't pray very much because we only want to make sure we ask for the exact right things. Yeah. What does it mean to just throw yourself on the mercy of God? Yeah. You know, that first level of faith. And then the one that you pointed out would be this next level of faith, which is the faith to actually respond when when Christ addresses right. us with right. an instruction. So the faith that calls out, the faith that walks yeah. away. I don't like that term, though. The faith that walks away. but Faith that obeys. Faith that obeys. And then the faith that falls down. Oh, I see. You were doing the visuals of it. Oh, that's good. Yeah. I mean, because what a gift for that, for that. Tenth man who is at the present. I mean, he, yeah. he is in the presence of Jesus. Who knows? Touching his feet. He's, yeah, prostrated himself at Jesus' feet. He is, there's something in this for him, a, a deeper blessing. They all, they all have the benefits of the healing, but there's a deep blessing, I think, in this man uh, being in this close proximity to Jesus. Well, and that's his first uh, communing with mm-hmm. a non leper, perhaps yeah. in years. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Right. Oh, I like that thought. Well, what I love about your thought is it helping me reinterpret 17 and 18. There's actually not a single statement in there, 17 through 18. I mean, it's implied, maybe. But there's not a strong rebuke of the nine. No. I think we sometimes take it that way. Right. Um, no, they, you know, they they had the faith that stands at a distance and cries out. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. And not only that, but the faith uh, to... Where's the phrase then? Uh, and as they went, they were healed, right? The faith to go, to go and show themselves the priests, right? To be healed, to be restored to the community, right? They're trusting. And it's faith, not sight, right? Before they see, they're already on their way, before they see the evidence. Um, and before they know really for sure, because it's the priest that will confirm that. And then for them, it's not for these, you know, so then it's not that Jesus is like, Man, those other nines are jerks, right? It's right, and that does help because then when you see faith, I think is this what you were saying earlier? Is like by focusing on the the faith theme, it brings. Whereas when you focus on the kind of gratitude thing, it highlights the difference of the one from the nine, right? Whereas the faith kind of shows there's a continuity, even though there's this, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, and there's a and there's a. um, I don't know if I'm able to put this in words. It's not like there's levels in Christianity. You know, there's the the okay Christians, the medium Christians, and the great Christians. We all get the same the same uh salvific work of Christ. Mm-hmm. But but there is something sweeter about about being at this third level of faith yeah. here. It doesn't do anything for our eternal souls necessarily any more than um than the the the, the faith that cries out for help. But there's a commu- there's a consolation there that yeah. comes. Well, maybe dropping the language of levels would help. And to, to use the language that you were using in your descriptions were very physical. And mm-hmm. it actually goes back to our last pod. When, last time you were on, we talked about posture, right? right, right. So it's different postures of faith. Yes. And it's not higher, yes, yes, lower. Yes. It's just different. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a timing thing. You know, so the posture, because so it, that's yeah. why I was saying you could also, you could call, you know, the first posture of faith here is to stand at a distance and lift up your voice, right? Stand up a distance and cry out, begging for mercy. The second posture is going and showing yourself, you know, going and returning to the community, mm-hmm. trusting that God is cleansing you, right? Yeah. Um, trusting you're being transformed before you can see it. 
But then the third is the rushing back, the falling on the face at Jesus' feet. It's the faith that draws near. And the contrast of that with the first one of the standing at a distance, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think it's really cool. No, I think, I, th- I think you're right. It's a, like you say, it's a sweeter, it's a consolation, it's a blessing. Um, it's not saying that they lose their cleansing. Right, right. Right? Yeah. They're just as clean. Mm-hmm. They're all ten are clean. Yeah. Yeah, he's communing with Jesus. I like it. I think it's cool. I think it's cool. Talk about faith. Yeah. 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 What's the what's the thing that unites all those things together with faith though? I'm trying to think the what's the kind of overarching theme of this little sermon that we've just sketched out here. Are you looking for a thesis statement? Yeah, sure. Or a topic or a theme or a motif. I don't know. Doesn't matter. Maybe superfluous faith. Yeah. Or the postures of faith. The postures of faith. Or posture, depending. Mm-hmm. I think that's good. That works. Um, yeah, great. Well, you got to go. So I'll let you go and I'll do my outros and intros and stuff. So. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks. Thank you so much. Yeah. For doing this. I know. I yeah. enjoy it. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks so much uh, for listening to Fresh Text. We appreciated you spending time uh, with us. We want to say a big thank you to Eric and Todd for the great production and editorial work they do. I cannot imagine doing this without them. Thank you also to Tom Adamson for donating the theme music. And a big thanks to Mandy for spending uh, an hour with us this week. And most of all, thanks to you, our listeners, uh, for uh, subscribing and sharing, as well as rating and reviewing, and just for listening, of course, uh, to this weekly podcast. We appreciate you so much. And with that, we say have a good preach and a great week. Bye-bye.